0: Go oh, well. yeah. Continued continue to come to light a major development here today in the uh, saga at Northwestern and more revealing details about Tennessee as well. Um, I mean, I wish I could say I was shocked. I mean, I'm still a little shocked about the Northwestern stuff, but uh, it's taken another new step today. We'll talk about that right now. Let's get started with the things you need to know and the need to know news. Here's your need to know news. All right, the Cubs... Well, they're going to drop two out of three uh, against the Red Sox over the weekend. That was uh, helped on by uh, yesterday's 11-5 loss. Steele went six innings, six runs, six strikeouts. That is the most earned runs he's allowed all season. Mike Togman, two for two with three walks, two runs, and an RBI. Cody Bellinger had a great weekend. Finishes the weekend hitting three sixty four hits, Three homers, six RBIs. Cubs did strike out 12 times, though, and made it 33 Ks over the weekend in the three-game set. Cubs welcome in the Nationals tonight. Mackenzie Gore will take on Drew Smiley in a battle of lefties. Nats, fourth-best in batting average against lefties. Cubs are 11th on the season, although not too good as of late. Cubs are a minus-145 favorite tonight. They also dropped three out of four to the Nats in early May. Gore, in his start, uh, gave up seven hits, four runs, and a homer in four innings. Uh, Smiley, in his start, uh, much better. Just one run in seven innings of work. White Sox was a little bit of a shocker. I don't, I don't mean to be rude, but uh, I don't know that anybody had them going down to Atlanta after the All-Star break and taking two out of three, but that's exactly... What they did. Dylan Cease gets his first W in almost two months. Five innings, one earned, six strikeouts. The top three in the lineup, Ben Intendi, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert Jr. They combined yesterday 9 of 14. Four runs, five RBIs. Berger and Robert both go yard. It's number 27 for Robert, number 21 for Berger. Burger mice are crushing it, man. Not all good news. Aloy Jimenez left in the second inning with left groin tightness because, you know, as soon as they start winning, this stuff happens. Um, Greivel said that he doesn't expect Jimenez to be available, quote, in the next few days for sure. It doesn't look good for the next three, four, five days. (laughs) I've never seen a franchise get less of a break in life than the Chicago White Sox. As soon as they get some stuff figured out, here come the injuries, man. It's amazing. Lucas Giolito on the mound tonight. They're going to open up a series on the road again. Uh, They're out in New York to take on the Mets. Carlos Carrasco on the mound. Carrasco's allowed a homer in all but two starts this season. He's coming off his first shutout of the year as well. 11 days against Arizona. Connor Bedard, he's officially a Blackhawk. The rookie signs his first deal, three-year entry-level contract. Um, It was announced on his 18th birthday. That's a nice little gift. $950,000 salary cap hits. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you're the uh, Blackhawks. You're more than happy to have him around for three years on uh, less than a million dollars. I'm telling you, these guys. I'm a, I, I can't believe the situation the white or the uh, Blackhawks are in right now. Really can't. Which is all the cap room in the world, all this time to plan, all the draft picks, all this time to plan. They're gonna be all right. Summer league wrapped up yesterday for the Pacers with a 185 loss to the Pistons. Uh, they finished two and three. Bulls wrapped up uh, Saturday with a 90 to 85 win uh, over the Wizards. Like, there's one game left today in Summer League, and uh, that's Houston at Cleveland. And uh, there you go. You can watch that tonight, nine o'clock, if you are into such things. Uh, Colts will now officially have to contend with DeAndre Hopkins. He inks a two-year deal worth up to $15 million in the first year uh, with an option here for the second. Colts will host the Titans on October the 8th. Uh, The Titans were 30th in the league in passing last year. I think I read somewhere, too, that DeAndre Hopkins outscored the entire uh, wide receiver room in fantasy for the Tennessee Titans, all on his own. So that's big. So Colts will host the Titans on October the 8th. They'll be on the road December the 3rd. D Hop and the Titans kick off the preseason August the 12th, 1 p.m., taking on the Bears. That game is actually on uh, the NFL network. I didn't get the chance to see if that's in Chicago or if that is in Tennessee. It is Chicago. So I'm assuming the 12th is a Sunday. No, it's a Saturday. It's a second Saturday in August. Jeez, that's going to be here before you know it. Anyway, that is today's uh, need-to-know news for the July 17th. All right, we're looking into, uh, you know, who's hot here? Baseball's still going on, by all accounts. And you know I Read a lot of this stuff on Twitter. It was, it was a rough weekend for a lot of baseball petters, it seemed like. A lot of baseball, a lot of pitchers uh, not coming through. A lot of people starting to find, you know, regressed back to the mean. It's been a little rough. I identified a few guys today we feel like are worth your attention. These are the guys that have been hot. They have great matchups for you. So let's cut to the chase here. Let's see what we got. Drew Smiley today. His over-under in case is set at 4.5. And boy, you should probably be on the under on this. Drew has missed this mark five of his last six games. And the Nets... They are the second-best team versus left-handed pitching in terms of K percentage. And we I told you at the top of the show, um, they hit lefties very well on the year. Fourth best in the league. So that's one guy we're talking And I like this game tonight because I think there's a lot of... Um, I think there's a lot of good spots tonight at Wrigley. I also like Logan Webb tonight. Guys, the Reds have cooled off. I don't know if you've noticed this. But the Bats have gone a little quiet at Great America Ballpark. Logan Webb over five and a half strikeouts. Uh, the Reds struck out a whopping 37 times over the weekend. That is the second most since the All Star break. Somebody had 39, but they played four games. So, yeah, not great. Five batters with five or more strikeouts over the weekend. In the lineup tonight against Webb, Webb is coming off 10 and 11 strikeout performances in his last two outings. Logan Webb is a guy you should have on your radar tonight. Sorry to my buddy Jeff Julik, but I told you the Reds were going to calm down. They became the first team in the last 130 years with no runs and less than eight hits in a three-game span. Ugh, it's not good. And then, lastly, go back over to uh, Wrigley. Lane Thomas is hitting, um, getting a, what's this, a hit run at RBI in 66% of all games, and including eight of his last 10 and 15 of his last 18. The man has been absolutely on fire. He's also hitting four forty-four against lefties this year. And he's a career three sixty-one off of Smiley. He was held hitless in St. Louis yesterday for the first time in one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight. Uh eight out of the last ten games, he's gotten a hit. He's hitting 280 right now in the month of July. And a very healthy history against Drew Smiley. So there you go. Those are the guys that we're watching here today. Those are the ones I like. Logan Webb over that 5.5 if you can get there. Drew Smiley under 4.5. And, and Lane Thomas. Put him on the card at least get a hit. I think he's got you covered here tonight. Just a small wind blowing in tonight at Wrigley, too. It's nothing crazy. But I don't know if it's enough to really uh, knock down the baseball. I only think we're close to double. I think it's only like five, six miles an hour tonight. Which I know there is a little bit more than it is anywhere else. But still shouldn't be too much. 70 out there tonight. So maybe the ball won't carry as much as you'd like it to, but uh, I don't know that I'm sleeping. I'm not sleeping on Lane, who is tragically overdue for a homer. He hasn't had one this month. Not a huge power bat, but not terrible. All right, we're going to take a break here. Hang tight. We're going to come back. Uh, chaos continues. Uh, up at Northwestern, a new development today. I told you last week, this is a story that's not going away. So, what's happening and what are we watching for next? And how is that going to impact the Big Ten? I'll tell you about it. That's coming up next. This is the Hammer Down Show and 1017 The Hammer 101. Back on the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalides. You always reach out on the Hammerhead text line at 765 447408. Eight zero later on this week, Thursday, Friday, Kyle Charters filling in for me, and then I gotta talk him into filling in next Thursday as well. As uh, Purdue heads down to Indianapolis for Big Ten media day, uh, I will be down there uh, talking to a uh, whole host of folks, trying to get uh, some answers on some things here. that's coming up with this season, although it sounds like the big story, the big buzz. And I can't remember who is I got I to gotta go back and take a look. But for media day, uh, I'm trying to remember who was on Thursday and who was on Friday. Because obviously, you know, we, we know Purdue was going to be on the Thursday – but I can't remember if Northwestern was on that day or not. I have to go back and take a look. Anyway, it's going to be the buzz at Big Ten Media Day. Like I told you last week uh, when the story broke, that this thing wasn't going anywhere, that it was going to hang around through Big Ten Media Day and maybe even longer than that. It took a new story today. Uh, our new turn today. If you are not up on what has happened at Northwestern, the football program, there were allegations of hazing at the end of the season. Northwestern hired an independent investigator who uh, went through, talked, submitted their report. Uh, the university then sat down with Fitz and allegedly negotiated uh, this two week without pay um, punishment in the middle of July when nothing is going on. And was going to wrap it up. And then Whistleblower decided to go to ESPN with more evidence, pictures, and things like that. Northwestern reversed his course and a few days later fired Fitz. And he's the only one that has caught any kind of punishment through this. And then days later, Northwestern go on fire their baseball coach for a cultural issue as well. And you start to go, well, what the heck is happening at Northwestern? Pat Fitzgerald, lawyer kind of thought, eh, we may be filing a wrongful termination. Well, we got $40 million we're owed. Independent investigators didn't have any evidence that Fitzgerald knew about anything. Sounded like they were looking for the payout go away. Now, eight former Northwestern football players have retained civil rights attorney Ben Crump uh, to pursue legal action against the school for hazing incidents that took place within the program. His law firm says they have discovered, quote, a vast array of incidents of abuse within the Northwestern program. Mind you, Northwestern's independent investigation lasted Six months. And the claim said that they could substantiate a lot of what the whistleblower had mentioned, but that somehow the coaches were not aware of the incidents. Again, that's that's what the independents, And we wondered last week how how do you get to how do you get to six months? They come through everything. Hey, uh, the kid, you know, we can cooperate. Some of the stuff happened, but we can't decide whether or not the coaches knew anything about it. So two weeks without pay, life moves on. Nothing else. But then again, just days later, they reverse course and go, okay, now all of the other details have come out. We need to come down harder on this. You know, I thought last week said, were these details not in the report? Did the university not care about it? Did legal say, listen, we can't really do anything because we can't really prove anything? Like, who stepped in here? And then what changed in the course of a couple of days? that Northwestern would do an about-face on this. Well, we know why Northwestern did the about-face as more of the details kind of leaked out. ESPN had shots of a whiteboard that were up, allegations that Fitzgerald knew. He would signal to the people who did the hazing who was to be hazed based on performances in practice. And we talked about this, too. This was not... Um, This wasn't like, hey, we're going to be mean to somebody. Like this is, and this is what Northwestern's president, Michael Schill, wrote. Quote, forced participation, nudity, and sexualized acts of a degrading nature and clear violation of Northwestern policies and values. And so we're wondering, was that not in the report? Did you not get that initially? And then you did and you go, yeah, well, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and let this slide and, and just hopefully it goes underneath the rug. That, 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 that's where they're at. And now Northwestern finds themselves in this, you know, weird position where you got this report and you told Pat Fitzgerald, well, oh, you know, this is what, we sh- this is what we're going to do, two weeks, okay. Now you're getting sued by these former players that this was happening a bunch. And now you're getting sued by Pat Fitzgerald for wrongful termination. I've never seen This is like going, excuse the theatrics of this, but it's like going to jail for murder and nobody has been injured or hurt or anything like that. Like right there, you sit in the courtroom, and you're, and you're still, like, it, it's amazing how they have maneuvered this to have them in this position, getting sued on both sides. One that, you know, Fitzgerald didn't know anything about this, and then the other side, oh, no, he clearly knew about this, and they could probably lose both lawsuits. How crazy is that? This has got to be the world's, it's either the world's worst investigation that took six months or everybody in athletics and and the president, whoever hands us all, whoever makes the final decision said, we can get away with this. Either way, it's a, it's terrible that nobody, I mean, everybody else has kept jobs. Not anybody else in that coaching staff has been let go? You have an athletic director that's fired two coaches in in days of each other uh, for creating harmful cultures. I, I mean, it's shocking. Now, look, here's the deal. While I don't agree with it, I understand why Northwestern is not completely offloading the entire coaching staff. They will bring in somebody new. That somebody new will completely clean house. That's going to happen. But in the meantime, you are, what, six weeks away from starting this football season? You're a couple weeks away from practice? You, You can't not have the football season if you're Northwestern. The Big Ten in no way wants you to cancel these games because you're not going to be able to go and reschedule it. Like how you manage to do that? It's too late to do that. You're losing money because that's what college athletics—it's money. Not to mention all these kids end up losing an entire year. The, The defections then. To go out, I mean, it, it would be almost, um, it, it's almost a death sentence to the program. I understand. I didn't say I agree with it. I didn't say I like it. I understand the thinking behind that. How much your Big Ten programs getting in revenue from TV to be completely shut out of that while you're possibly going to have to pay your former coach almost $40 million. You're going to get sued Uh, by these other players on top of that. I understand. I don't sympathize, but I get the theory behind it. But this is such a unique position they have maneuvered themselves into and should definitely be a wake-up call to every college and every athletic program in the country that you should not let these cultures persist, that you should have systems in place to make sure that these cultures do not persist in your locker room when you are not looking. Certainly, it's you can't keep tabs on everybody off of campus, especially when you're talking as many players, but you can't tell me that you have 15, 16 assistants, another 20 in support staff, and nobody has any clue what's going on in the locker room? No, absolutely not. And the folks that feel like they're going to be able to move on, cover things up—not this, absolutely not this. Don't even try it. We're going to take a break. Speaking of cover-ups, we're getting more details about Tennessee and a uh, six. Remember, we got that six-year. Clause of Coach Pruitt, no-show clause. We're finding out the excuses that they told NCAA investigators. Remember, Purdue took this team to the woodshed at the Music City Bowl. They did win that game, despite what Paul Feinbaum may tell you. You're going to be amazed at what they told NCAA investigators. It is, I'm not going to lie, it's almost impressive the excuses they came up with. I'm gonna tell you about that. See if you're excited about that. Uh no bull ban or anything for Tennessee football. Listen, that's next. It's a hammer down show, one oh one seven The hammer, one oh one seven. To... Back on the hammer down show on one oh one seven the hammer, one oh one seven the hammer The NCAA I, these guys, what would you say you guys do here in in college athletics exactly? Specifically, football and basketball, the, the the big money ones. What do you what do you do? Apparently, it's nothing. Now, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me uh, talk about how I, I believe it's been such a toothless organization when it comes to penalizing uh, the biggest offenders um, in those two sports, basketball and football, and uh, it demonstrated its uh, lack of bite yet again the other day. Uh, with this uh, Tennessee ruling, uh, you may remember Jeremy Pruitt being uh, fired back in 2020. Uh, that was a long time ago, it seems like. And yeah, that was before Purdue decided to uh, whoop them in the Music City Bowl. But I'd like bringing that up. Um, it, it, surprisingly, w- with what they did hand down, it actually hurts Indiana. Remember the whole nine win Indiana in 2020? Yeah, with well, the Tax Slayer Bowl win. It's it's out the door. Well, no, they didn't win that, did they? No, they lost that. They don't get the win either. Whatever. Look, that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I am here to talk about is NIL has reared its ugly head here again, and the NCAA has managed to not do what I would think is its job. First, let's talk about exactly some of the stuff that we're hearing out of the investigation. Mainly, a lot of money was being funneled, allegedly, to a lot of kids. Here's some of the highlights here. Jeremy, this is my, this one, I almost fell out of my chair, like slouching down into it when I read this one. Jeremy Pruitt said the weight of COVID-19 and the racial reckoning happening after the murder of George Floyd and empathy led him to give $300 in an empty Chick-fil-A bag to a Tennessee player's mom in a parking lot. I Really? Really? Pruitt said he also per, uh, had a penchant for four or five-figure ATM withdrawals. It's not unusual because he had wads of cash, which he allegedly kept in his car. Totally normal. That massive amounts of cash just sitting in his car, because, you know, you never know. <laughs> Can't keep going to the ATM machine all the time, right? you are got to have money on you. It's not like they have, you know, anything that you just keep on you that's not, you know, dollar bills that, you know, you could use to perhaps, you know, pay for things like, you know, gas and food, grocery. You know, that, that's they come up with that million-dollar idea. 18 of the highest level violations, 200 individual infractions, 200 individual infractions. Seven of his former UT assistant coaches, staff members also received multi-year uh, show cause orders, right? So this all happened last week. One of the assistants, uh, this is one of the scams that they they, they would put this uh, money in uh, family bank accounts, right? like parents, one of the assistants actually said he withdrew large sums at a time because he liked to go to the bars, and he lived with his parents and didn't want them to find out that uh, he was you know, spending money at local pubs. Oh, the actual things are telling the NCAA. And no bull ban. Five years of probation. Tennessee had some self-imposed things that they did. Some of them like a reduction in the amount of official visits they'll take. Okay. Six-week reduction back in 2021 and two weeks in 2022. The school can be credited for any additional reductions imposed for regular season home games during the academic year uh, last year. A total of 28-week ban on recruiting communications during the term of the probation. Here's my favorite right here. Uh, during this year, they'll forgo the purchase of advertising with all football postseason broadcasts in which it is a participant. <laughs> so we're not gonna we're not gonna spend money on any uh, football games that we're on. We're not going not gonna do it. Yeah, there'll be internal compliance reviews, but this is where it really got saucy for me, because if you read again, 200 violations. Seems like an awful lot. And Pruitt's like, I should get credit for the two that I self-reported. Really? So that's 16 unreported. But where it really got interesting here is NIL rears his ugly head yet again. There is a report in the Knoxville News Sentinel that the Tennessee Attorney General cited NIL to help them avoid the postseason ban. Saying that he could interpret it, because Tennessee is one of these uh, legislators here that's passing laws that say NCAA rules cannot supersede Tennessee law. You remember this a couple of, uh, maybe like a month or two ago, we talked about Florida was doing this, Texas was doing that too, where, um, you know, these limits on NIL, these little curbs on NIL, the state legislators were going right around it. So it was essentially just legal to funnel the money however you wanted to in these places. The NCAA couldn't set up a rule that says no. Remember, they set up this memo that said, please, pretty, pretty, please, will you guys just follow the guidelines that we had? We know you don't legally have to anymore because, you know, your states went ahead and just said, uh, we'll do whatever the heck we want and we can't punish you for it. But, you know, if you could just, guys, just just please play along with, you know, everybody else and, you know, they'd laugh in your face about that. But the Attorney General argued that an NCAA postseason ban would violate the state's uh, new NIL law. And if there's one thing the NCAA hates to do, it's go to court. Tennessee law prohibits the NCAA from imposing such a sanction. And I will not hesitate to vindicate the rights of UT students to enjoy the full measure of their intercollegiate athletic opportunities. You know, like your mom getting $300 in a Chick-fil-A bag in the parking lot. You know, the real full college experience. Now, Bain also comes with, um, you know, a loss of scholarships. And something that Dave Shondell stuck, it, when we talked to him last back in the spring, and I asked him how um, he thought NIL was impacting, you know, volleyball. and He talked about the great opportunities, but he said, and this really stuck out to me, that some programs were using NIL as a workaround for scholarship limits. That they were organizing these payments here um, in the form of the scholarship money to, to get around your scholarship limit. What do you think Tennessee is going to be doing with their NIL payments here to make up for four lost scholarships in a season? There's no punishment here. The only guy that gets punished is Pruitt for being the bag man. He can't work for what, like five years now, total, without a school having to you know fork over some money, and he loses out on his uh, you know on his paycheck. He's the only guy that ends up with any kind of uh, any kind of punishment here. Maybe that's the proper thing. You know, when we went through the Penn State thing, as horrendous as it was, I felt bad for players that were going to get punished um, right there at the program. though they had the right to go, I I, I feel bad because they didn't participate in this. Lord knows they couldn't have known about any of that stuff. You know, these guys tend to move on, go on, do something else. They they get a buyout, whatever, and uh, life goes on, and they're the ones stuck, you know, holding the tab, so to speak. But again, this is another example of the NCAA's been outmaneuvered yet again. NIL has played a big part yet again. And now you're listening to Greg Sankey say, uh, SEC Commissioner, only Congress can resolve NIL issues. They're not going to do it. And if you're trusting them to do it, let me tell you, they're going to make it worse before they make it better. I can almost guarantee you that. And I don't know if they have the appetite to actually tackle it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to get more state legislators Pass more of these laws It says the NCAA can just pound sand, we'll do what we want, you can't do anything about it, and if you do, guess what? We're suing you. And it's all the NCAA's fault. They had years and years to fix this issue, years and years to put this, the guardrails up properly, and they had no intention of doing it. Now here we are. All right, we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap it up. It's the down Show. <laughs> Welcome back. The Hammerdown Show 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Well, here's good news for me. Kyle Charters has agreed to fill in next Thursday for uh, Big Ten Media Day. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, holler in here and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's uh, happening at Big Ten Media Day. That's next week. He is going to be in here Thursday and Friday because uh, I was going to be out, but uh, I am now... Emceeing the Queen Pageant, the four, the Queen Pageant. We got the Tippecanoe County Fair going on starting this week. I'll be uh, hosting the Queen Pageant on Friday night. I'm looking forward to that. I I did it last year. A lot of fun. Um, and uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to take my daughter on Friday night too. I'd like her to meet. uh, Quite frankly, uh, young women. I don't know where they get all the time to do all the volunteering, community work that they do. But like, I always leave that thing going. Dang, I don't do enough. Uh, They're all amazing, so very excited about doing that later on this week. Uh, Let's get into some of the things we may have missed. Uh, We are all uh, rooting this weekend the Open, which is uh, formerly the British Open. They still played it in British, Um, and uh, our our good buddy Adam Schenck is going to be playing this year. He did qualify. We might remember a couple of—was that the Valspar? He accumulated enough to to get qualified for that, I think it was. So um, his his lovely wife, Courtney, tweeted out this morning— Um, they just had the baby too. So, uh, they all made it out to England. Everything's great. Uh, except, uh, Delta apparently did not, uh, deliver his clubs. Gonna need those. Gonna need the Purdue logo on the bag on national television. Delta, make it right. Make it right. Great picture of the kid too, man. (laughs) Uh, I love him that age. All right. Uh, quite possibly my favorite golf tournament uh, is the American Central Championship. I like pro amps. And I'm sure you saw this weekend Steph Curry get a hole-in-one uh, on Saturday. He hit an eagle to beat Marty Fish uh, on Sunday and to uh, take the championship. He became, I think it was like the, the first uh, uh, black man to win the event. And he's like the first active athlete to win since... 2000 al del greco won it so he wins that they do like a point format here it's like the way that it works is um you know you get a couple points for eagle or an ace uh you know like a point for a birdie nothing for par minus one on the bogey minus two so you know you really you, you can't go over double bogey And the reason I like this thing so much is I get to compare myself because they'll tell you what they shot. But I get to compare myself to great, you know, celebrities. I think it's pretty cool that guys like Aaron Rodgers, Joe Pilevsky, Mark Mulder can beat somebody as good as Annika Sorenstam, who was a former professional golfer. She finished sixth. Tony Romo last year won and he finished eighth in this one. Who knew Michael Pena was so good at golf? Guy went 70, 78, 78. Still pretty good. Like I said, you can't go over double bogey, but you know if you can crank out, what, one, two, three, four, five, six birdies in a round, I think it's pretty good. I can't beat Michael Pena. I'm okay with that. Former Bears kicker Robbie Gold in the middle the field here at 20. Dwight freeney finished 35th. He went 85 78 80. I feel like in this format I'd have a chance against Dwight freeney now I'm in now I'm in the area where I feel like I can compete with people who are professional athletes maybe not in this, but professional athletes. Jerry Rice finishes 42nd. can you imagine beating Jerry Rice in anything competitive? 86, 79, 84. Just had three birdies over three rounds. I feel like I could hang with that. Now, nobody makes a bigger deal out of this than uh, Pat McAfee's buddy A.J. Hawk at 46. Pat came in at 67th out of uh, 92. And the thing that... uh, The thing I can't believe about Pat is... uh, No birdies. Which, okay, I'm not trying to shame Pat or anything, man. I just... I'm not that electric of a golfer either, but he beat out somebody by one point, and it's the most random. It's an Indiana connection, and it's completely random, and I just can't believe Dan Quayle, old potato vice president, Dan Quayle beat him by one. <laughs> Dude's like, isn't he like upper seventies. Must be a heck of a golfer. To hang with a former professional athlete. There you go. All right, that's going to do it for us on the Down Show. Enjoy your Monday. I'll see you back here at 3 o'clock talking local sports.